Amen. Man. Amen. Guys, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in the book of Daniel. And uh, you can just mark it because we're going to be there for about 12 weeks. 12 weeks here in the book of Daniel. We're going to walk through all 12 chapters, which if you're good at math, means we're probably going to cover about a chapter a week. That's kind of, kind of where we're headed. Uh, but guys, we're starting a brand new series. And uh, I want to begin our time this morning as we, we get, prepare our hearts for the book of Daniel with, with a little bit of a confession. And so here it is. Ready? Uh, sometimes, despite all I know about God, sometimes despite all my past experience with God showing up and showing out, taking care of me, handling all the details, sometimes in spite of all that I know, I still get overwhelmed. And even though I'm not a panicky guy, every once in a while, I kind of get a little panicked. I kind of get gripped with fear. That's the truth. And here's what I'm going to say to you, if that, that describes you. I'm sure I'm not the only one here. And if I am the only one here, I'll just preach myself for 12 weeks. It's fine. I'll tell you this morning that that's okay. And that your God is big enough for that. Our God is big enough to handle our fears, right? Our God is big enough to handle our fears. In fact, one of the things I want to show you over the next 12 weeks is that God knows that we're prone to fear because he made us. That's why he says over and over and over in his word, some some scholars would say he says it uh, once for every day we have. Somebody said that the phrase appears 365 times in the text in different uh, wording. God says, do not be afraid because I'm with you, because I'm for you. I'm not against you, right? You're not alone. However, God has that promise. It's the same encouragement over and over again. I know you. I know you're prone to fear, but I'm here to tell you, don't be afraid because I am with you. And so here's my hope over the next 12 weeks. I pray we would learn something and not just something that's up here, but something that impacts us right here. And my hope is that we would learn to stop trying to suppress and even deny our fears. And instead, over the next 12 weeks, what we would learn is how to face those fears head on through our faith in a God that sees us, knows us, is with us, has the power to sustain us no matter what life throws our way. Amen? That's what we're going to talk about. Join me in a word of prayer. Father, thank you for your word. It is good. As we come to that word this morning and study the first chapter of this great book of Daniel, um, I pray that you would shine a light into those places that we have tried to shove down and ignore the fears that we possess. I pray that by the power of your spirit, you would gently speak over us and you would say, it's okay, my child. It's okay to admit that you're afraid. It's okay to confess maybe even that at times you don't trust me the way you should. I'm big enough for that. God, would you just speak that over our spirit this morning? Holy Spirit, we recognize that you are the teacher of our church. And as always, we want to invite you to come and take your place as our teacher and our guide And we pray that you would reveal Jesus to us. And that when we see Jesus, 
that we would want him more than anything else, that we would be willing to let go of everything else to pursue him with all that we have. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. All right, guys, Daniel chapter 1, we're going to read the entire chapter together. I'm going to do my best not to stop and explain it the whole way, because we'll explain it through the message, but um, I'll do my best. I'll do my best. It's hard. This is a good chapter. So Daniel chapter 1, starting in verse 1, it says this. It says, in the third year of the reign of King Jehoiakim of Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and laid siege to it. The Lord handed King Jehoiakim of Judah over to him, along with some of the vessels from the house of God. Nebuchadnezzar carried them to the land of Babylon, to the house of his God. And he put the vessels in the treasury of his God. The king ordered Ashpenaz, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the Israelites from the royal family and from the nobility, young men without any physical defect, good-looking, suitable for instruction in all wisdom, knowledgeable, perceptive, and capable of serving in the king's palace. He was to teach them the Chaldean language and literature. The king assigned them daily provisions from the royal food and from the wine that he drank. They were to be trained for three years, and at the end of that time, they were to attend the king. Among them from the Judahites were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief eunuch gave them these names. He gave the name of Belshazzar to, uh, or Belshazzar to Daniel, Shadrach to Hananiah, Meshach to Mishael, and Abednego to Azariah. Daniel determined he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine he drank, so he asked permission from the chief eunuch not to defile himself. God granted Daniel kindness and compassion from the chief eunuch. Yet he said to Daniel, I fear my Lord, the king, who assigns you your food and drink. What if he sees your faces looking thinner than all the other young men? You would endanger my life with the king. And so Daniel said to the guard, whom the chief eunuch had assigned to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for ten days and let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then examine our appearance and the appearance of the young men who are eating the king's food and deal with your servants based on what you see. He agreed with them about this, and he tested them for 10 days. And at the end of 10 days, they looked better and healthier than all the young men who were eating the king's food. So the guard continued to remove their food and wine and uh, that they were to drink, and he gave them vegetables. God gave these four young men knowledge and understanding in every kind of literature and wisdom. Daniel also understood visions and dreams of every kind, which will be very helpful later. At the end of the time that the king had said to present them, the chief eunuch presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king interviewed them, and among all of them, no one was found equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they began to attend the king. In every matter of wisdom and understanding that the king consulted them about, he found them ten times. Uh, The phrase is five hands, or, or five pairs of hands. Ten times he found them better than everyone else, better than all the other magicians and mediums in his entire kingdom. Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. And so guys, there's three things I want to share with you this morning, I think kind of speak to us and where we are in life and some of the fears that we face. And the first thing that I want to to tell you this morning is that we need to remember that no matter what comes our way, that God reigns. God reigns. God reigns over every circumstance in our life. 
God reigns over every circumstance in our lives. And so I want to kind of talk about something um, out of the gate, just, just from the very beginning. And if nobody's ever told you this, well, I'm, I'm sorry, but here it is. There will be a point in your life at some point. Some point in your life, you're going to wake up and find yourself in unfamiliar and uncomfortable surroundings. It's the truth. Some point in life, everything's not going to be rosy. Some point in life, you're going to wake up and you're going to find yourself surrounded. And, and, and you're going to kind of wake up and go, how did I get here? I don't, I don't know what happened. I, this doesn't feel right. I'm, I'm not comfortable. This isn't where I want to be, right? At some point in life, you're going to wake up and you're going to be in unfamiliar and uncomfortable surroundings. That's, that's just the truth about life. And, and, and some of you guys, uh, how, many, how many of you were with us back when we walked through the whole Bible? We did a thing called the story. How many of you were, were here? for That's awesome. That's pretty good. And those of you that weren't, welcome. We're glad that you're with us now. And so um, when, we, when we did that, um, you may remember that so God uh, establishes a people. And he's going to call these people, these are his people, uh, he's going to call them Israel, right? Uh, or they're going to become the nation of Israel. And so God brings up a whole kingdom. And in this special group of people in his kingdom, he's teaching them who he is and how he wants to rule over, over the world. And, and, and so um, God establishes this kingdom of Israel. And he says, listen, the old covenant, if you do what I say, then I'll continue to bless you. But if you don't do what I say, I'm going to remove my hand of blessing. And so remember, we get to King Solomon. Solomon has many wives, uh, idolatry is, is rampant kind of through the kingdom. And so God does what he said he would do. He removes his hand of blessing. And the kingdom of Israel is divided around uh, 930 BC. Okay. It becomes two kingdoms, a, a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. The northern kingdom is called Judah or the kingdom of Judah. And the southern kingdom is called the kingdom of, of Samaria is what we think of it as. And so um, once the, the nation or the kingdom of Israel is divided, they, they now become prone to being invaded, right? Their forces aren't as powerful. They're not going to stick up for one another. I mean, come on, they're already fighting each other. And so people come and attack them. So the, the southern kingdom, the kingdom of Samaria, falls first. But eventually, the kingdom of Judah, the northern kingdom, uh, succumbs to being invaded by the, uh, the nation or, yeah, the nation of Babylon. And so, and the king of Babylon, this guy named Nebuchadnezzar, comes and he lays siege to, uh, to, to Jerusalem. That's kind of, that's kind of where, where everything happened. And so he lays siege to Jerusalem, and, and when, he, when he wins, when he takes over, first he kind of sets somebody in place. When that doesn't work, he's going he's gonna to literally come and invade, and he's going to take off all the best and the brightest people of, uh, from, from, from the Jews, from the kingdom. And so what he's going to do, he's going to take the best thinkers, he's going to take the best looking He's going to take the tallest, the strongest, the fastest, right? He's going to take any leader anywhere because what you do is then two things. One, you're going to take them back to your culture and you're going to assimilate them into who you are. It'll make your nation stronger. Two, you take out anybody that might rebel, anybody that might have the ability to lead and you're left with people that have no ability to govern or lead themselves and they will do whatever you say. And so that's kind of what happens. And so he comes and he lays siege to, uh, to the northern kingdom of Judah and, and Jerusalem is going to be completely destroyed and many of the people, the best of the best, are going to be taken um, captive. All right, so I, wanna, I want you to follow me. Again, these are God's people. So what does this have to do with me? Ready? These are God's people. These are God's children. And so God's children are taken captive. Now that word means to be made prisoner or to be confined. So they are taken captive and then they are dragged off into 
exile. Now that word exile means to be driven from your native place. And so God's children, God's children are confined and they are driven from their native place, which means that God's children are driven from all that they know and they now find themselves in unfamiliar and uncomfortable surroundings. You guys follow me? Okay. That's, that's what happens. They find themselves in a foreign location surrounded by foreign people in a completely foreign circumstance. And I want you to listen to how this happens or why this happens, depending on what question you're asking. Ready? It's right here in verse 2. Let's look at who's behind all of it. Notice the emphasis is mine there. The Lord. The Lord handed King Jehoiakim of Judah over to Nebuchadnezzar, along with the vessels from the house of God, right? The Lord handed them over. In Hebrew, it literally reads, the Lord gave them over, or the Lord permitted them, uh, or the Lord delivered them. That means, listen, that, that God has a purpose and a plan for what's about to happen, okay? means that God is over this. Now listen, um, there are two ways to think about the sovereignty of God. Sovereignty means God reigns over. There's two ways to think about this. That God is the one. Why did this happen? How did this happen? How did God's children be taken captive? How is it that a child of God can wake up one day and be completely surrounded by things that they don't know, by things that make them uncomfortable? How can this happen? Ready? Because the Lord allows it. Because the Lord hands them over, right? And so there's two ways, and listen, there's two ways to respond to that. When you understand God is sovereign, the the two ways you respond, number one, that's how most people respond, they blame God, right? And that's the natural response. Oh, well, that's why it happened. See, God, it's your fault. It's your fault we were invaded. It's your fault. I find myself, I woke up today, God, and I don't even know what to do with myself. It's your fault. It's your fault that everything that I used to know is is gone. It's been stripped from me. God, it's your fault. So the, the, the first way, the easiest way to deal with the sovereignty of God is just to blame God. And the majority of people that do that, do that because they don't really know God. But if you learn a little bit about God, what you understand is that God's sovereignty is never disconnected from his character. You might want to write that down. The sovereignty of God is never disconnected from the character of God, which means that while God reigns over all things, he is also always who he is, and he is good, and he is loving, and he is right, which means that the sovereignty of God in your life, though some days you wake up in foreign places and unfamiliar surroundings that there is still a God that is working for good. That there's a reason behind all things that we face. This is what uh, Paul declares in, in Romans, right? In Romans 8, 28. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. Uh, David, who found him in himself in his fair share of gut-wrenching times, realized this in Psalm 145, verse 9. He writes, the Lord is good to all, and his mercy is what? It's over all. Right? David is, is crying out. David, who's like gut-wrenching, hiding in a cave, supposed to be the king. David, crying out, God is in this. 
God is over this. God is working. Now, he also cries out, why, oh God, am I surrounded by my enemies? Why, oh God, do they want to kill me? Why, oh God, do they seek me out? Why, oh God, am I the one that's facing? Like, like he's, he's honest with God, but then he also declares, God, you're over this. Right? God, you're, you're over. There's something you're doing because I know that you're good. So there's something you're doing. You see, there's, there's two ways we respond to the sovereignty of God. Either we just shake our fist at him or we get to a point that regardless of how we feel, by the way, this is what faith is about. Remember, faith is believing in what you do not see. We get to a point that we believe, we know that God is good and we choose to allow what we know about the truth of God to reign over how we feel, Right? That's going to be a theme of our talk this morning. Listen, some of you are here today and you are surrounded right now. And you wake up and you're like, I don't know how I got here. I don't like this. This is is not what I want. Okay? And, And it's hard to accept this truth. Right? It's a lot easier to place blame, but I want to show you something. So we started here in verse 2. The Lord handed, so it's God's fault, right? God, God handed them over, all right? So, so the Lord reigns over it, but, but, but listen, this is how we stomach the sovereignty of God. God may reign over it, and he does, right? But listen, God's also in it. Look at verse 9. God granted Daniel kindness. See, see God, God, was, God was over it. God's the reason that Daniel's in captivity. God has a purpose that Daniel can't see. It's hard. It's difficult. But, but listen, Daniel's not alone, right? It says God is in it. God is in it giving Daniel kindness. And, and, then, and then we look again at verse 17, right? And God gave them knowledge. God gave them knowledge. And so here's what I'm saying to you. At some point in life, we're going to find ourselves surrounded. And here's what we need to know. God is in control, he reigns, he's over it, but listen, he's not just over it, he is also in it. God is with you, he has not left you, he has not forsaken you. We don't serve some some far off distant God that couldn't care. Our God um, stripped down and dove head first into humanity to be with us. Just, Just think through that, right? That's what the Bible declares. That Jesus stripped down out of that divinity, jumped out of heaven and into our mess to say, hey, I know it's hard, but I'm here. I'm here. And I don't know about you, but man, that helps me understand the sovereignty of God and the plan of God so much better. Because my heart says, man, this hurts and this isn't right and I shouldn't be alone. And God, why are you allowing me to walk through this? And God says, "I'm, I'm right here with you. I'm not punishing you, I'm leading you, right? I'm leading you. First lesson we have to learn, because we all face scary circumstances in life. At times we will all find ourselves in unfamiliar and uncomfortable surroundings is God is over it and he is in it, all right? Second thing I want you to know, our faithfulness shouldn't be dependent on our circumstances, Right? Our faithfulness shouldn't be dependent upon our circumstances. And uh, I kind of want you to see what Daniel's facing here. Let's just kind of count uh, the cost. And so we start with captivity. Okay? That's a difficult one. Amen? 
Anybody wake up when they're in unfamiliar surroundings, they're uncomfortable, and they think, yeah, I'm ready. Okay? Most of us want to hit snooze. It's usually how we are in life. We're really good at the fetal position. We crawl up in a ball. I'm just going to lay here for a while. Let me recover. I'm not trying to step on any toes. Some of you have been there a little too long. Okay? So Daniel wakes up one day. He's in captivity. He's in an unknown place. He's surrounded by the unfamiliar. So that's, that's strike one against him. Here's strike two. Not only is there captivity, but, but his captor wants to change him. Right? His captor wants to change him. And so I'm going to read verse 4 and 5. And this is what the word of God says. It says, these were young men without any physical uh, defect, good looking, suitable for instruction, all wisdom, knowledgeable, perceptive and capable in serving the king's palace. Uh, He was, this was the chief eunuch, was to teach them the Chaldean language and literature. Uh, The king assigned them to daily provisions. uh, And it says they were to be trained for three years. And at the end of that time, they were to attend the king. Do not misunderstand this passage. This is about assimilation. Nebuchadnezzar wants to change them. He's taken them out of their homeland. He's going to teach them a new language. He's going to teach them all the Babylonian ways. And and they are going to now belong to Babylon. No longer Jews. You don't believe me? Look what they do with their names. Daniel, uh, which by the way means in Hebrew, God is my judge. All of his friends, their names all have to do with the one true God as well. They change all of their names. Daniel, we're going to call you uh, Belshazzar. And, and that means may Bel, that's a Babylonian god, protect his life. Do the same thing with, with each. We're going to change you. Okay? Guys, listen. The captor wants to change you too. Don't believe me. He does. He wants to change you. And you're going to face that. You're, you're going to feel that. Okay, and, and hear me, I'm not talking about, um, well, I can't, go, I can't go to college because that's worldly wisdom. We're not talking about that mess. Daniel goes to college. He's, he's wiser than everybody else. He's not afraid of learning things, but he's not going to lose his identity in God. Okay, that's what we're talking about. So Daniel is captive. His captor wants to change him. And there's not only that, then there is the opinion of his community. We're keeping with the seas. Right? The opinion of his community. We call this peer pressure. Right? Notice there are only four that decide that they are not going to partake of the king's meals and wine. Just four. All of the others, and by the way, there were several others. Did you catch that in the text? So they, they came and they took every one that was this, 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 and this. There, there are several others. In fact, we kind of we catch that uh, in verse 15. At the end of 10 days, they looked better and healthier than what? Than all the young men who were eating the king's food. There are lots of young men that are eating the king's food. Lots of people that were Daniel's peers that are suddenly be like, we're in. We're, we're in this. And, and, and so I'm, I'm just here to say to you, that makes it tougher. Right? It's one thing when your captor is saying you have to change. Right? That's one thing. But then when your peers, when the people from your group begin to say, no, no, listen, that's not right. We need to change. It, like Life gets a little tougher. And Daniel's facing that as well. 
And, and, and you say, well, why, why is the food such a big deal? Now, if you're one of those healthy diet freaks, I love you. God bless you. Eat a Twinkie every once in a while. It's just everyone, not all the time. Not all, just every once in a while. Twinkie won't kill you. Um, and, and so, listen, this is not about uh, the Daniel diet. This isn't about, hey, uh, man, we're, we're all just, we're eating too much junk and McDonald's is, is, is the abomination. And, and I, like, that's not the message of Daniel. So you totally have misrepresented and misunderstood the book if that's how you're reading it. Um, the reason that they're choosing vegetables and water is because uh, we're too reasons. One, um, probably uh, because of, of, of Old Testament Hebrew or Jewish dietary laws, which the Lord has set you free from. Remember, Peter had a vision where God said, get up and eat. And there were hoofed animals. That's why we eat bacon. Thank you, Jesus, for the vision you gave Peter. <laughs> Fried bacon, baked bacon. You know you can bake it, right? Air fried bacon. That's the new one. Chocolate-covered bacon. Maple bacon on a donut. Okay? God said, get up and eat. Yes, Lord. Okay? So part of it was dietary laws. The other reason is, is probably because the majority of the things that were served at the king's table were first offered to a pagan god. Okay? So th- this is meat and, and probably even the wine, they, they do poured out offerings, drink offerings, probably all offered to foreign gods. And so Daniel's going, hey man, I'm not going to get into that. And, and hear me, this is where life is hard. I read an article not long ago about our students now in schools um, and the pressure that they're feeling, not, not regular peer pressure. There's now pressure they're feeling in regards to relationships. So our, our, our culture is so much, so strongly promoting the LGBT um, stuff that now kids are afraid. Like it used to be that a girl would say, hey, do you like Johnny? And the girl would be like, no, I don't like Johnny, but I like Jim, right? And so now there are girls that are, are, are feeling the pressure to say, well, no, I, I, you know, I don't like Johnny, um, and, and, but, I, you know, I, I mean, and they like boys, but they, they feel like the pressure in society that they have to say, but I'd be open to, like, whatever. they don't feel that way, but they feel like to be accepted, that's what they have to do. This is coming from their peers, man. I just want you to see, like, Daniel's in a situation, okay? So he's captive, okay? His captor wants him to change, and his peer group is all, has all changed. Like, they're, they're, all, they're, all, they're all in, right? And seriously, well, well, how does that happen? How does, a, how does a whole group of people that are children of God, how do they all flip other than four? Like, how does that happen? I say, I don't know, but perhaps they're in that first phase, which is they're just, God is sovereign. They're like blaming God. Well, fine. If God's going to do this to me, then I'm going to do whatever I want. You've never been there, have you? Gotcha. We've been there. We blame God, right? But Daniel doesn't. He's not going to eat the food at the king's table. Uh, It's a big deal. And it's a big risk, by the way. You notice the chief eunuch is like, hey, bro, um, I, I like you, but if I do this, that it could be my neck. That means it could definitely be Daniel's neck. And, and regardless of what he faces, though it may be death, he doesn't care. He chooses faithfulness over being afraid. Faithfulness over fear. Which kind of brings me to the last lesson today, right? That God blesses that. God blesses that. God blesses faithfulness. 
God blesses faithfulness. Look at verse uh, 18 through 20. It says, At the end of the time that the king had said uh, to present them, the chief eunuch presented them to Nebuchadnezzar, and the king interviewed them, and among all of them, no one was found equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they began to attend the king. In every matter of wisdom and understanding that the king consulted them about, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and mediums in his entire kingdom. Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. Now, I want you to hear me clearly. I say this a lot, but this is not about prosperity. Okay? We live in a world when you you hear God blesses faithfulness, you think, all right, I'm going to be faithful in this, and now I'm going to get me some more money. I'm going to be faithful in this. I'm going to get me that new car. I'm going to be faithful. Like, listen, do not misunderstand the text. God blessed his faithfulness greatly, but he did not remove him from the captivity. Think about that one for a second. God blessed Daniel greatly, but Daniel didn't get to go home. That wasn't how this, like Daniel, like it's not, hey, you're faithful, way to go on the vegetables, way to go on the water. Yeah, you're free. (laughs) You know what faithfulness looked like to Daniel? The blessing that God gave Daniel was that he, over the course of three kings, would be a great godly influence. That was the blessing. That God used him over the course of three rulers. God used Daniel. And he got to bring the influence of God into that pagan culture. That was the blessing. Ever thought about this? Maybe the reason that you are not making a difference currently is because every time God puts you in an uncomfortable situation, you try to figure out how to escape. Ever think about that? Every time God gets you uncomfortable, your first thought is how the heck do I get out of here instead of how do I serve you here? Right? God blessed Daniel And he blessed him by allowing him to serve over the course of three kings in this pagan place. So what do we do with that message? How do we apply it? That's my question. My question this week, Lord, how do I apply that? How do I apply these thoughts about Daniel? And so here is the first way I think we apply this. Ready? We have to learn to choose belief over blame. We have to choose belief over blame. Blame, And so one of the hashtags you'll see us using and kind of our artwork is we, uh, we kind of talk about Daniel uh, on a regular basis here is faith over fear, right? Faith over fear. And we'll, we'll get there in a second, but th- this is the same way. Belief over blame. We have, to, we have to choose. There are only two ways to respond to the sovereignty of God. And the first way you respond when you learn that God is over it, verse 2, the Lord handed him over, a.k.a. that if I'm surrounded right now, that the Lord has a plan for it because God doesn't allow anything to happen that he's not over. And so the first way that you respond to the sovereignty of an all-powerful God is, is blame. Right? You, well, God, then it's your fault. We get angry because we're, we're so short-sighted. Anybody else short-sighted? Amen. I want my popcorn in 90 seconds. Seriously, if I'm going to have an egg, it better be a one-minute egg. Oatmeal, instant. Serious. 
McDonald's has that little sign, we don't serve you within 30 seconds. I remind them when it's 32. You still doing this thing on your sign? Well, sir, it was... I didn't put it on your window. That was you. Like that instant stuff. Listen, our instant reaction is blame. God, why did you put me here? But faith is about understanding and believing what you know to be true over how you feel. And so we have to choose to trust in the goodness of God even when we find ourselves surrounded. Even when we find ourselves in a place that we really don't want to be, that's really uncomfortable, that they're like, oh, I don't like this a lot. We have to believe, God, I know you're good. And I know you work all things for good. You must be working this for good. So I choose to believe there's a reason that I'm here. Okay? So we choose belief over blame. That's step one. Okay, step two. Same kind of thing. Okay? We choose faith over fear. We choose faith over fear. Faithfulness works always. Always. Um, I was in an a ethics class once, and, uh, and the, you know, the goal of your ethics class is that they want to try you to make you, like, basically, they, they want to force you to make an unethical decision and then to have to defend it. That's what ethics class looks like. All right. So uh, the, the question was, you're in the middle of an ocean, and there are two boats, and one of the boats has your family. They're 30 miles to the south and you get a call that they're sinking, and then 30 miles to the north, you get a call that another boat is sinking, and it's got a bunch of strangers on it. Which boat do you go to? You can only save one group of people. And now, the truth is, right, there's not a great answer. There's all kinds of details that matter in that. Like, uh, for instance, is my entire family saved? Right? Does that affect my choice? What about my role as a husband and a father, that I said I would lay down my life first and foremost for my bride and my kid, right? Like, you, there are, so you begin to have these kind of, listen, we live in a world that'll tell you that you, you, you gotta make a choice, and, and they're gonna tell you that there's really no good choice, and so just choose whatever is easiest. Um, there is always a way out, right? There's always a way out. That's just my belief. If, if God says I'm not supposed to lie, and I'm in a situation where somebody comes and somebody's in danger, there's got to be a way that I cannot lie and still protect somebody. There's got to be, right? Because, because I, I, just, I just believe. And so, so listen, what I'm going to say to you is, guys, your faith always works. When God says in his word, hey, do this, do it. Now, it may not have the instant gratification of the lie, but in the end, God always blesses faithfulness, all right? And it, and it may take some time to come to fruition, but I would much rather be known as somebody of high character that does the right thing, even if the right thing means it's hard. Like, the end result of that is way better than the other. And so what I'm going to say is you, you, we've got to learn to choose faith over fear. And again, this is, this is, this is really a head thing. Uh, our heart is the place, that's a place we feel. I feel afraid. I feel, uh, I feel, I feel, I feel, I feel. And listen, 
Our, our feelings are legitimate. I'm not trying to tell you your feelings aren't legitimate. I'm just trying to tell you your heart is deceitful above all else and beyond cure. Okay? And so my feelings will usually tell me not to trust God. My feelings will tell me to put myself first. My feelings, right? And, and so again, this is a, I know the truth. And so I have to think the right thoughts and I have to do the right things. And eventually my feelings will change. That's how that works. Those things feed into one another. And so I have to start choosing faith over fear and, and, and choosing to be faithful. Last thing, guys, is, uh, is ultimately we get to reap the reward. We get to reap the reward. Um, by the way, I, I'll go back to that faithfulness for a second. We don't have to change the slide, but I'm, just, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. I wrote this this morning. It's pretty early. Uh, guys, by the way, if the goal is faithfulness, I'll just say to you that the fire doesn't matter. Right? That's where we're heading. You think about Daniel and the lion's den. You think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. If, if faithfulness is the goal, the fire doesn't matter. Because the end result is I'm going to be faithful. And, and if I get burned, I get burned. But that's, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not living to not get burned. You guys following me? Like, like, like the end result isn't a suntan. The end result is faithfulness. <laughs> and so if, 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 my, if my goal is faithfulness, then the fire doesn't matter. And so last thing, reap the reward. Uh, guys, God rewards faithfulness. That doesn't mean that he removes us, right? Think about Paul. <laughs> I mean, I mean, Paul's like, God, please remove the thorn. This is, this is my like, greatest anti-prosperity gospel message, right? It's Paul's like, please remove the, the thorn, the prosperity people. God wants to heal everybody. Jesus healed everybody. Well, it didn't heal Paul. And Paul cried, and he wept, and he begged, and God's like, no, Paul. And by the way, what, what, what plagued Paul, most of us believe, was something physical, And so if Jesus heals every physical thing, then why didn't he heal Paul? And he says to Paul, I'm not going to heal you because I want to teach you to rely on me so I can use you. And some of you, you got stuff going on and you're like, God, why this? God, why that? God, why this? And I just wonder if God's holding you in a place because he has something he wants to do through you that he can only do if you've learned to trust him with everything you are. So we learn to reap the reward. Doesn't mean that God removes us. All right? I'm going to ask you to join me in a word of prayer. Father, uh, this morning, we come before you in just a little moment, just a little time here, because we believe your word demands a response. So we start chapter one of Daniel, and we learn on day one that sometimes you allow. Sometimes you hand over, sometimes you deliver your children into captivity. Sometimes you allow us to find ourselves, to wake up one day in completely unfamiliar and uncomfortable surroundings. And in that, you are good. so the the struggle, the wrestle begins in our spirit in week one of Daniel. Lord, minister to the depths of who we are in the next couple minutes. In Jesus' name. Just with every head bowed and every eye closed for a second, I'm just going to ask how many of you find yourself in that unfamiliar and uncomfortable place right now? Maybe you woke up and uh, you had a spouse that left. You don't know what to do. 
Maybe you're one of those parents, you had a child leave for college and you thought you would be dancing and you are mourning. You're hurting. Maybe out of nowhere came a career change. And, and you don't know what you're supposed to do. You, you, you're like, I'm too old to change. I have no idea what the future looks like. And there's just all kinds of uncertainty. Maybe you're here and you have lost a loved one. And you wake up one day and they're just gone. And you don't, you don't know what to do. And you don't know what to feel. And, and you're calling numbers that nobody answers. And you just, you woke up and you're like, God, I don't like this. I don't like this place I find myself. These are unfamiliar surroundings, right? Maybe you found yourself in a new place. That's you. You walk through the doors this morning. You're like, I'm not from Elgin, Texas. I'm in a new surrounding. I don't know anyone here. I don't know what I'm doing. And I I feel like a foreigner and an alien. And here's what I'm going to say to you. Okay, listen. When we find ourselves in the unfamiliar, when we're surrounded, we can do one of two things. We can either blame God or we can believe in him. So what I'm going to implore you to do over the next 12 weeks is to learn how to fight the battle of being surrounded. That when you wake up and you find yourself surrounded in a place that you don't want to be, feeling things that you don't want to feel, with with people and, and, and opponents that are against you, that you'll learn how to stand in that place and fight a new way. And that new way is through faith and a God that sees you, knows you, and is working for good. And so Christians, we fight our battles differently. We fight our battles not waging war or waving our hands in the air, not blaming God, but believing God. Saying, God, I know you can use this. God, I believe that you're in this. God, I believe that you're for me. God, I believe that I'll overcome this. God, I believe that you're strengthening me. God, I believe that you're making me. God, I believe that you're molding me. God, I know that this too shall pass. God, I believe that I'm an overcome. God, I believe. And so this is how we fight our battles. We're going to sing this this very simple song. Very simple song. If you've never heard it before, you'll pick it up quickly. And this is our invitation. We're going to invite you. If you want to get out of your seat, you feel like you need to come and pray. You feel like you need to come and release. You feel like you need to come and cry. You feel like you just need somebody to pray for you. This is the time. If you are struggling with this thing called faith, we are here for you. God is here for you. He is for you. And so I'm going to ask you to stand with me. And as you you feel uh, that impression from the Spirit, you feel that tugging, we're going to ask you to come. And you can come and pray. You can come and lay down. You You can clap. You can celebrate. You can sing we're going to ask you to stand and 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 we're going to sing this over you you can join us these lyrics are simple but we fight differently family we fight differently let's start swinging there's a table that you've prepared for me in the presence of my enemies it's your body and your blood you shed for me. This is how I fight my battle. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded 
surrounded by you And this is how I fight my battles And this is how I fight my battles And this is how I fight my battles 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 This is how I fight my today and you would like somebody to fight with you, to stand with you. You feel like you're surrounded. You say, you just be willing this place. All the heads are bowed, all the eyes are closed. You just be able to say, Pastor, would you please pray for me? Just pray for me this week. Anybody just say, I need prayer this week. That's me. I need prayer this week. I feel that I'm surrounded. Yes. Anybody else? Yes. 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 The enemy is real. He is active. God is bigger. Father, by the power of your spirit, would you remind my brothers and sisters this week, we are not alone. You are not a far off, distant God that couldn't care. You are a God that has stripped down and you dove headfirst into our humanity and our hurt. You have come to walk with us through the pain. 
through the captivity that we might be free. So Jesus, may they feel your presence this week and may they choose to fight through prayer, through faith, through belief that you are a good God that is at work. Let that be sure to us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Guys, you can be seated. Ah. Mm, 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 mm. Uh, I want to encourage you, if you have not heard that song before, to go uh, find that bad boy on YouTube and add that to your Christian playlist. It is legitimate. Um, There was a good six months that I played that song dang near on repeat. Um, Still to this day, if I'm getting ready to start a sermon, I try to start with that song, number one, Number two, I'm in my little prayer closet in my office, which is not a hidden place. It's under my desk uh, where it's nice and dirty like my heart. Uh, and, uh, and, and we just start there going, God, all right. And guys, sometimes it's, a, it's more of a battle than others. And I'm just here to tell you, like, like th- we fight differently. And God shows up and God provides. And it's okay to admit, God, I'm afraid. It's okay to say, God, I feel like I'm surrounded. And, and it's, a, it, it's even more okay when you find yourself surrounded to say, okay, God, I need you. This is how I'm going to fight. I'm going to choose to trust in you. And so I I encourage you guys, uh, add that to your playlist this week. I want to ask our ushers to come forward this morning. We're going to take up our morning offering. Um, And guys, if you're not a member here, uh, we don't expect you to give. um, But we we are going to need some, uh, there goes Rusty. I was going to like, we're going to need a little help this morning. Uh, And so... uh, uh, but if you are a member, we, we just expect you to, to continue to give to our body, pray for our body, serve our body. Uh, guys, our Wednesday nights have kicked back off, which Miss Catherine will talk about here in a second. But and we've got all kinds of places that you can serve. One of the ways that you service as a church, though, is through your faithful giving. And we bring our tithes into the storehouse. We don't designate those. We give from our first fruits, and we just say, hey, God, um, you do what you're going to do. And God is doing some really, really cool stuff. Uh, guys, we met with a builder this week, uh, which is crazy. Um, we, we're we're going to have cost estimates back to you uh, here, hopefully in like a couple of months, uh, which is also, uh, hopefully in a month, which is crazy. Um, and uh, man, we're just so excited about what the Lord is doing. And so um, we just ask you to continue to be faithful. If you're a visitor with us, all you have to do, there's a, a card in the pew rack in front of you. You can fill that out. Come find me. I've got some gifts hidden for you. I'll take you back to the special hidden place and, and give you, uh, no, they're just in the baptistry hiding is where they are. But uh, somebody forgot to get those out this morning. Um, and, uh, and we've got a little gift for you. I'd love to, to thank you for being with us this morning. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your provision for us in this church. And God, thank you for teaching us week one of Daniel. That no matter when we find ourselves surrounded, that you're with us. And so we don't have to be afraid. That's the promise of your word over and over. Do not be afraid from with you. And God, you are with us no matter what struggle we face. Let us remember that this week in Jesus' name. Amen.